Have you ever tried the McGregor Columbia Club? Not yet. Did you know the McGregor Columbia Club has two rooms to accommodate gatherings from small birthday parties to corporate meetings to large weddings and even banquet events? Really? Now, how many does that place seat? It seats over 300 people. They also have an in-house decorator, rental items to work within your budget. Their main spacious hall is ideal for maintaining distance between attendees. Well, what's the food like? Well, they specialize in roasted chicken, but also have a full menu offering your favorite dishes. Really? Can you do fundraisers there? They have fundraising opportunities for charities with their fish fry, pasta, or steak dinners, and other events. Come on. Now, what about breakfast? Well, they have an amazing breakfast. It starts at 8.30 on Sunday, and it ends at noon, offering your full breakfast menu. Don't they have a cornhole league there, too? Ooh, I'm glad you mentioned that, because they play in it. It's uh, just getting ready to go. They're just waiting for the okay. Can you find them online? Yep. You can check their menus and events out at McGregorColumbiaClub.com or check them out on the Facebook. And hello, everybody. It is episode number 41 of Hat Trick Hockey, which is always brought to you by our good friends over at GL Heritage, the official beer of Hat Trick Hockey, which we like now, we actually kind of like to call the beer of the buttes. So it's awesome stuff. Check it out. Rob, what's up, brother? How's that wing? Oh, it's getting better. I, I have my first, uh, this being Monday, I have my first day back at work. Uh, I have plenty of movement, plenty of range, but no strength. Like anything to put out, you know, like a beer, like it makes, Yeah. if I keep my elbow tucked in, I can do this. No problem. But if I have to reach for a beer, <laughs> I have oh to my. use this hand. Oh my! It's brutal. It's brutal. Worst. I like I said before. I wish I would have broke my ankle. Like it, it's it's so oh. bad. And now, like I worked the whole day, so I got to use it all day. And you know, I got a total butte that I work with, uh, Matt Russell, that mm. helps me out immensely. Uh, I I just had to give a shout out to him. I, mm. I love the guy. Like he's just uh, just just an awesome awesome coworker. Those are always always like makes everything a little easier. <laughs> Yeah, you don't get too many of those because, you know, there, there's enough assholes that you work with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just kidding, all you assholes out there. <laughs> hey, uh, fuck, what was I going to ask? Um, what did you do this weekend? This weekend. Did, did you watch those weekend? fights, that fucking Jake Paul fight? Like, what the fuck was nope. that? No I interest whatsoever. I, think I he's only caught home. the highlights of it. It wasn't very long. Let's put it that way. He knocked no. him out in the first round, but. I don't know. I've seen well, that guy. You know, he's picking and choosing his fighters, right? He fights an MMA wrestler, like what? He's a two-time yeah, uh, but... champ, uh, Olympic, Olympic. Uh, uh, <laughs> he went to the Olympics. Yeah. You know, like not boxers. Mm -hmm. Go fight one of the top ten contenders, and then come talk to me. Well, and you're calling Conor McGregor. You're yeah. a hump, dude. There's freaking uh, that hey, guy that that guy that he just fought. There's like videos of him in the like UFC, like getting his head just 
pounded in and he's like standing up and still fighting. So like everybody, yeah, I didn't like, even know who then, he was. Yeah. Everybody's like, and then he gets hit once by this guy and then he's like out cold. Like what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, so wow. Snoop, <laughs> no, Snoop was the best. Snoop was like, go yeah. get my money. Get my money. Snoop's <laughs> yeah, a fucking he absolute. He put a million money. dollars down on it or something. Yeah. He's a nut. And then, so he got paid two. It was a two yeah. to one odd or something. Yeah, like he's that. like, go get so my money. Yeah, it was awesome. He was funny, man. Snoop. <laughs> I heard the... he was just glad. Oh no, this he's always the best part of the fucking the whole thing because he they let him yeah. sit down and call the fights and they're allowed to swear and shit and say whatever they want. The one day he's like sitting there watching the fight, he's like smoking a blunt, like while he's watching the fight. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, I just don't understand how, um, like, Dana and those guys, they don't swear. You know what I mean? Like, holy fuck, he just... Well, the fighters do. Like, what's that? The fucking uh, fighters do all the time. No, yeah, I know, but the announcers don't. Like, Snoop, you know, like, he must have smoked, what, I heard, like, 10 blunts on there. and and he's he's swearing, swearing up a storm, like... And everybody loves it. It's pay-per-view, so why can't you swear? Like, holy mm-hmm. fuck, like, Joe Rogan, you know, like, on his podcast, he swears all the time. I know, it's crazy. But <laughs> on the on the show, they don't swear at all. Mm. Dude, it's Crushing nice. blondes, too, boys. Crushing blondes. And girls. Speaking of crushing blondes, this shirt right here that you see, these sweet shirts, you can get in our online store, which is you can find the links all over the page and pretty well anything that we post, or you can just click the shop now button on our page. Get yourself a little crush and blonde shirt. Um, before we get into the hockey, dude, our TikTok is fucking blowing up. Like it's insane, dude. So we've had it up for like two weeks, maybe, right? I think so, somewhere in, in there. Yeah, around there. On all of our videos on there, we've already had over a hundred and six thousand views on our videos awesome (laughs) they need to get over to our youtube channel and start watching your show which is going to lead me into that you can go over to our youtube page which is under hat trick hockey if everybody on who likes us on facebook went over to youtube and hit subscribe we'd be laughing so it doesn't cost you anything so You know, people just do it. It's just going to help us out. Yeah. And you get full video episodes with the boys. So it's pretty sweet. <laughs> Even check, though we, check, at first, we kind of have a little bit of a face for like, for like radio or whatever. But um, so the shirt uh, contest real quick, I'm going to keep it open for a little bit. Because, you know, we didn't get a whole lot of entries, and I kind of want to get more. I want to make it interesting. So I'm going to leave it open. So leading back to what we were just saying with our, like, YouTube, like it, and I'll see that you do, and I'll enter you into the draw to win one of these Crush and Bond shirts, which now the draw is just going to come at a random time. I'm, it's not, I'm not going to wait a long time, but I would just like some more entries in there. So we're going to keep it open. So anybody who's not or who wanted to be in it, you still can. That being said, Rob, should we get to some hockey? Let's do it. Patrick Marlowe is a absolute gem, a complete animal of a human being. So um, the other night he played game number 
1767, which them put him tied with Mr. Hockey Gordy Howford all-time games played. So it being Monday when we record, he's going to break the record. Tonight, he's going to play 1,768 games. It will be in Las Vegas. So congrats to him. Crazy career. Talk about being healthy all the time. Rob, what do you think on Patrick Marlowe? So my understanding is that Patrick Marlowe only missed 31 games in his total career. Yeah. Now, you got to understand, like, when Gordy Howe was doing it, there was an original six. You know, it took him, you know, what, till he was 50-ish mm -hmm. to get that done. Patrick Marlowe's in his, what, early 40s? Yeah. So, it just goes to show you that when there was the original six going on, like, you know, they didn't play half the games that the guys are playing now, but mm -hmm. still um, – the guy's a, a total beaut, like never gets hurt, never. And he plays the game tough, tough. That's insane, dude. That's a lot of fucking I love the games. guy. I love the guy. I've seen so many interviews in the last couple of days with him. And uh, the guy's a gem. Like he gave back to so many players, you know, just uh, letting them come live with him. And mm -hmm. uh, so, so he roomed, like when he came into the league, he joined the team with Kelly Rudy. Wow. And Kelly Rudy let him move in with him and his wife. Yeah. And from there, Kelly Rudy said, you don't owe me anything. You don't give me anything. All I want you to do is when you have the chance to give back, you do the same thing. And Patrick Marlowe has done that yeah. tenfold. Like That's awesome. Pass the torch. Just, just amazing. Amazing people. You mm -hmm. know, Kelly Rudy, you know, all those guys that took, took those guys under their wings and Showed him how it was, uh, how you do it, how you be a, how you be a professional. Yeah. Yeah. That's Fantastic. crazy though, man. That's insane. That's what it's all about, man. So he will break the record in Las Vegas. So hopefully he scores. If he scores, that'd be awesome. Or scores the winner awesome. or does something like, you know what I mean? That'd be yeah. sweet. But you're playing Las Vegas. So it's too bad that him and, Jumbo didn't come at the same time because they were being touted as a tandem. Yeah. And Marlo left uh, San Jose to come to Toronto and Jumbo didn't. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, Jumbo comes and he Marlo, goes back. Now he goes back. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crow. So hopefully he does good. Um, total beauty. Total beauty. To the Vancouver Canucks. So they uh they hadn't played since March 24th. 22 guys, four staff members all had COVID. So like they're finally back now. They actually played the Leafs last night, right? 27 days, eh? They were off. Yeah. Oh, they were off for a long time, man. So yeah. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that the like uh playoffs this year are probably gonna be in a bubble, I'm gonna assume. As of where, I don't know. But, like, now the Colorado Avalanche have had three games called off for COVID. Like, I don't know if there's any freaking, like, cases or it's the protocol. So now, but they're, they should be back by, like, uh, by Wednesday. So do you think they can keep all these, like, 
cases down in order to run through these freaking get everything done again, Rob? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. They're 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 opening up a lot of shit over there. They're, I, I honestly think they're opening up Pandora's box. You know, when it comes right down to it, like I understand that Vancouver had the the cases run rampant through there. Like whoever yeah. started it, who knows? Who cares? Mm-hmm. But with all these people going into the arenas, all, you know what I mean? Like, did you see the, the Texas baseball? Like they, they had 40,000, 50,000 people out stadium. In, uh, t- in Texas stadium to, for the baseball game. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, like, you know what, who cares? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how you control it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, speaking of Vancouver, young sniper there. Done for the season. Fucking Pedersen is out for the season. Is there all they're saying is a upper body injury? So first they get blasted by COVID. Now they get this. <laughs> that is tough news. Yeah, that's crazy. A lot of guys, man, are dropping. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on here right now, but it's getting a it's getting a little crazy. Um, well, wear your mask. Yeah. So actually, while we're on the thing of injuries, Steven Samkos out again, saying that he's probably going to be out until May sometime. He got hurt on April 8th in Columbus. He has had a lengthy list of injuries. So here we go again, Rob. Back to we're running circles here, I feel. If you're the lightning... What do you do with them? Do you trade them? It's, it's hard to eat. Oh. Do you I, trade them? Do you? No, no, no. I don't trade them because yeah, he, he plays as him. hard as he can. You know, and like when when you get up into your upper ages and, and uh, you try and change your game, it doesn't work. You know, like playing baseball, playing whatever, mm-hmm. you still go for it. You know, like and, and it, you, you get hurt. You get hurt. It's it's. Anybody can do it. And, you know, mm. like, he, he's a gritty player. He'll go into the corners. He'll, he'll go get the puck. He'll, he, do, he does it all. But I want to say he's a point-of-game guy right now. You know, like, he's, mm. got, he's got some pretty good stats up there, uh, even though he got hurt. But, hey, who, who wouldn't, like, take uh, two, two or three weeks off before the playoffs? Mm-hmm. You know, come back in, work two weeks, you know. Yeah, I'm just going from the, like, from the office, like, side of it, right? Like, the business side of it. Because you could be like, well, we've already won without him, technically. You've already won a cup without him. You but already still him. have. I know. I know. Listen, I listen, I love the guy. I love the guy. But I'm just, like I said, I just think, I'm just, like, thinking from an office side of it. But I don't know, man. Because it just seems like he's always hurt. That's all. Whatever I said. Stop playing the management role. I know. You're not in management. I know, but I'm just saying though, like he's just, he's just always hurt. Like it just seems like every year or something. I'm not saying it's his fault or or anything like that. Like what, like you were saying, he obviously goes hard, which is fine. It just sucks because guys like that, you want to see in the fucking game. Cause those are the guys that do all the cool shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, he's a fucking sniper. That's he what I mean. A... Like he's good. He's good for the game. It's we need him on the ice. Um, 
So before we flip over to our interview here, let's uh, just take a few like minutes here and just shoot the shit about guys who are already making a impact on their new teams. Anthony Mantha goes over from the wings over to like Washington. I think he scored in every game since. I think he's played three or four games he's, now. He's he's a beast. Lighting it up. Um, Hall yeah, Hall's he already scored in his first game, didn't he? He scored in he scored in every game he's played. He's played like three or four yeah. games. Scored in every one. Yeah. Um. Oh, he's he's gonna he's gonna be amazing for uh, for them. Now he's got a little bit of a fire lit under his ass. Um. And then Hall goes over to Boston, and now he's fucking lighting it up. Yep. Wow. But it's amazing the things. Team. But it's amazing the things you do when you go from Buffalo to Boston, and you're playing with like Krejci and Marshan, and you know, it's like night and day, I guess, too. For sure. <laughs> but so, what do you think about those guys? Do you think they just needed a fresh start? Do you think Hall will sign again? Like, what do you think will happen with these with guys like that? I don't know. I think. Uh... I think Hall was just go going there for like a payday. Yeah, I honestly a shot at a cup, and then that's not nothing bad to say. If they're gonna pay you for it, pay me. Fuck yeah! But you know what I mean. You didn't produce, and it, it seems there's there's a lot of problems in Buffalo. So I don't put that on him whatsoever. If mm -hmm. you have if you have um, you know a negative uh, locker room, then you're gonna produce negative players. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it's tough to say. But good, good on Manta. Like I, I'm very happy for him. Very mm -hmm. happy for him, dude. You, know, yeah. you came in, you you got to do what you wanted to do, and now you go to a cup contender. Holy balls! Yeah, now he's holy balls. Now they're both like, woo, let's go! Like both of them. Yeah, they're both Ric Flair in it. Woo! <laughs> oh fuck yeah, styling and profiling. Um. So what do you think? Should we flip it over to our uh, our interview here? This was a great interview, by the way. He was a beaut. Hooked up oh, by our boy. Beaut. Our boy Lee Harris hooked us up large. Thank with you, this, Lee, so much. Yeah, with this next cat that we got on here. So we'll flip it over to him. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy Mr. RJ Umberger. Roll it. And this next cat on here with us played... Played uh, played a little college puck for Ohio State. Went on to play 11 years in the NHL, playing 779 games between Philly and Columbus. Calder Cup champ as well. RJ Umberger, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. How's everything going? It's good, man. Just another day trying to uh, fill the time. <laughs> yeah, I know it's brutal. Well, here now they got us back under, like, what is it, Rob? A lockdown, stay-at-home yep. order, or whatever. Yeah, we're we're back under the fucking thumb. What's it like so, over over there when it comes to all this stuff? Ohio's been decent. Um, you know, they have the policies of the masks and all that. Um, luckily, they kept the youth sports open pretty much the whole time. Um, you know, it's the restaurants are back open, and I'm not even sure what our curfew is anymore. It was at one time ten. I don't even know if we have one now. Can't keep oh, up with wow. it, but it's uh, the kids are back in school, so that's good. And uh, I mean, we're slowly getting back to normal. Oh, we're like on the verge of the kids coming out of school. Everything is closed down. We can't do anything. <laughs> there probably won't be any. Pretty much the only thing to do around here right now is golf, which is okay by me. 
but that's about yeah. it. <laughs> Thank God golf's been open the whole time here in Columbus. It's been oh. a lightsaber. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, well, it, it does suck, eh, for kids, like, especially, you know, like, we're only, like, roughly about an hour away from Columbus or, or, or Ohio, you know, yeah. so, but but we're shut right down and you guys are thriving. <laughs> yeah, it, it's how state to state is so different is wild. I know, like, I know, like, there was hardly any hockey going on in Michigan for most of the year and, uh, you know, here the kids were playing travel and a lot of teams were coming to Ohio. It's just, it's weird how it's, it's so different and um i don't know it's this whole thing's been strange i don't think anybody has the right answer <laughs> no then you then you look at texas and they got forty thousand people in the in the baseball uh, <laughs> field and they're like wow yeah and in florida there's no covid in florida yeah <laughs> well texas nothing wants to go to texas and start there because you just get that <laughs> <laughs> that is true all right boys we'll hop right into her so man I got to know, where did everything start? Where did you fall in love with the game of hockey? Well, yeah, uh, I was about seven, seven years old or so. I think uh, I started watching just the Penguins with my, with my dad. I just kind of, you know, Mario it was, I mean, how could you not fall in love watching him play? It was so exciting. And I was just that kid that I got home and I, I couldn't wait till the game started. And I would be like three inches from the screen of the TV, just laying on the floor and, and just loving every second of it. And I, I don't know why it just clicked for me. Like I, I understood the game right away and was able to follow it. So, you know, um, my family had no real background in hockey at all. Um, my mom like did some like real light figure skating growing up, but it was like nothing serious or anything. So, mm. I just one one Friday, I was, you know, like I begged my parents to take me to a public skate at the local rink and they did it. And, you know, I, I held the boards for like one lap around, kind of going straight with my skates. And then I let go and I was like, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> just from that point on, it was like, I loved every second of it. Oh, so you got a little bit of a late jump on on the ice then, right? Because you said you were like seven or so? Because normally... Yeah, I, got, I guess I was... Before. I guess I was actually six, but I actually played my first game when I was seven. So, I mean, yeah, I guess for Nothing Pittsburgh, crazy. for Pittsburgh, that was early. I mean, you know, you, mm -hmm. it's not like other areas where kids are starting at two, three years old. And, you know, what I got my kid in on skates at three. So, mm -hmm. yeah, in that regard, I guess it was late, but, um, you know, it was good. So what about, uh, um, well, like uh, travel hockey, like how old were you when, when you like started there? Yeah, so I played, um, I think three seasons of in-house and then like at 10 years old, moved on to travel, went to the amateur Penguins for two years. We played in like Buffalo, mm -hmm. um, you know, some tournaments in Canada and whatnot. And then from there made the jump to the Pittsburgh Hornets, which uh, at that time, was Mount Lebanon Hornets or the Pittsburgh Hornets. We played in the Michigan National League and um, you know, played the best teams like Compuware, Little Caesars, yeah. all those, you know, Chicago Young Americans, Team Illinois. It was the number one league in, in the United States at the time. And, um, you know, early on in Pittsburgh, the amateur Penguins were kind of the top organization. And then uh, a lot transferred over to the Hornets. And we were the top dog in, in uh, Pittsburgh for sure. Nice. Rob, buddy, do you have it? Sorry, man. I feel I'm just firing away here. Oh, hey, hey, you guys go out. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I just sit here and watch. Uh, oh, no, you, you, uh, you played some uh, high school hockey. You had a couple of big games playing high school hockey too, didn't you? For yeah, uh, so, Plum High. 
Yeah, Plum High. <laughs> so we were fortunate in in uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It allowed you to play high school while you played travel. So um, I didn't have to make that choice. And you know, a lot of us that played travel, we did it just you know, one we wanted to be on the ice more, so more opportunity. But two, I think it gave us like a chance just to have some fun, um, play. You know, the kids that we go to school with. You know, our friends can see us play because they, they don't know they didn't know what travel was they like you play travel hockey you play you, you know you're, you're good you play hockey with yeah whatever yeah. so you know they don't see it so um you know high school is fun you know it's got chances to um you know head to the rink after school with your buddies and, and play some hockey and the travel guys did quite well in it <laughs> <laughs> so then after that though so a few more years or and then you're getting a call from the usa Right. So yeah. what was it like for like for that? That's got to be a great honor, right? Going out and playing there. Oh, yeah. It's an ultimate honor to go represent your country. It, it was uh, just a great timing because the U.S. program started was just starting when I was in high school. So um, I got invited the second year of the program. And, um, you know, so it, it wasn't the, the foundation that it is now. And it's such a powerhouse of developing kids. So it was new. It was up and coming. A lot of people didn't know a lot about it. But um I remember I was after my sophomore year um, of high school, I was doing well in the travel, obviously doing well in high school. And, you know, the questions started to arise, like, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave and go, go billet with somebody and play juniors, you know, what, 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 you know, go to prep school. And I kind of like my dad and I just, we thought like, I wasn't, they didn't want me to leave yet at 16. They didn't really want me to stick around a little bit longer. Um, but we said that, uh, my dad quickly said, you know, if Team USA would happen to call you, you're, we'll, we'll, we'll consider that. You know, that's something you can't pass up. So um, I had some good, like, select camps in the, um, in the off season where they finalized their picks and, you know, they invited me in right away. And it was, it was, it was a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I give me chills thinking about that. Like, that, what, what, what an honor to do that. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, 20 kids at 16 and 20 kids at 17. I mean, now you're talking about all the kids in across the United States that play, I mean, what are the chances? So um, to be, to do that, to make, to go there and be part of the program and then to go to the program and do well, that's a different thing too, is, uh, and coming from Pittsburgh it, at that time didn't happen. Like, you, you know, they're picking kids from, you know, Minnesota and Michigan and Boston and, you know, your hotbed areas and, mm -hmm kid from Pittsburgh it's just like okay something doesn't seem right here so <laughs> you know I'm proud I'm proud of that I'm proud that I've helped uh you know turn that corner where Pittsburgh's really kind of kind of made a big case for themselves as a good hockey area is That's there awesome. uh is there like anybody else who was there with you that we may know um I'm trying to think uh, uh some of the guys that I played with, uh, Mike Commissarek was there. He played for Montreal for a while. Yeah. Uh, Dave Steckel, who was a teammate at Ohio State with me, um, he played for Capitals in L.A. Um, uh, older guys were Ricky DiPietro, number one in the world picking goalie, um, Andy Hilbert. Uh, I mean, there were so many. There There's a lot of good players. There. <laughs> yeah, there's some good players there. You go back and uh, – uh, Neil Komodowski, he played a little bit. His dad played in the NHL before. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of good players. Mm -hmm. So the big question, why did you choose college over junior? Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, like, 
Honestly, when I was playing that travel hockey, we went to some uh, University of Michigan games and uh, I went to some OHL games too. But something about the, the Michigan game, I, I loved the atmosphere. I was really intrigued by it. You know, the, the crowd got into it, did their chance, and just thought it was really cool. And, um, you know, my, my both my parents didn't have the opportunity to go to college. Um, they were just hardworking, blue-collar, you know, everyday job people. And, um, you know, I kind of always took school pretty serious. I, my dad instilled that in me. He's like, you know, do your schoolwork first. And I got decent grades. And I just made a commitment that I was going to get a degree. You know, whatever it was, I was getting a degree. But my focus was always on hockey. And um, I just wanted to go the college route. That's awesome. Love it. Love yeah, it. I, I, I love going. I, I've been to a couple of uh, the Great Lakes Invitationals, and they were just awesome. Like, going to a, going to a football game, you know what I mean? Like, mm. The crowd cheering, chanting, the bands there—it's it's awesome. Yeah, that's another thing, and that's you know why I kind of end up at Ohio State. That that's part of it. You step foot on that campus, and you go to a football game. You, I don't think you ever want to not go to another game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys got a wagon over there in Ohio State. They always do, especially with your football program. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a program. They uh, they're doing some good things, man. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm kind of I'm I'm pretty impressed with uh, the way the uh, the U.S. program's rolling now with the hockey. They they've come they've come a long way, like with their uh, junior program for um, the under eighteen and and eighteen and above. Yeah, no, it's 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 been incredible, and it really started. The first step was that U.S. program and that the uh, NDDP program that I went to. You know, that was the first kickstart. But then it was it was they did a great job of just uniting the whole entire youth across the United States and, and making one ADM model and one platform where, um, you know, they invested heavily in educating uh, the different organizations and the coaches and, and whatnot. And um, their model is great. Like it really is. Um, I just actually finished my level four uh, coaching clinic and um you know they're teaching great things and doing and doing well. It's no, it's no wonder that uh, the up and coming players are, are so good. They're, I mean they're so skilled, and they're you see what they're doing in the World Juniors, the World Championships, and all that. They're just USA is a force to reckon with every year now, for sure. Yeah. It was was there any any other uh, any other colleges who 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 like wanted you there, or was it like once they were up, it was like I'm going to Ohio State. <laughs> Yeah, so um, at the U.S. program, the one nice thing about that is uh, every school is constantly watching your team. So, uh, you know, getting letters from a bunch of schools, like, um, you know, was pretty common. And, I, you know, I, I quickly narrowed, uh, had a pretty good crop to choose from. Uh, you know, luckily, I, I looked, it was Michigan State, um, Boston University, Notre Dame, and uh, Ohio State were my four that I was considering. I, was, I did unofficials to all four of them. Um, had some of the coaches come into my house and, and talk and whatnot. And uh, my, o my only official visit was Ohio State. Um, when I left Ohio State, I canceled all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right? Like, especially – so that's like – well, it is like top one of the top schools in the U.S. Like, why would you not go there? Sure. Yeah, it is. Um, at the time, you know, early two like 2000, Ohio State wasn't the powerhouse that it should be and kind of – is doing better now. Um, mm -hmm. In 98, they were in the final four, which was pretty awesome, but they weren't 
you know, known with like Minnesota or Michigan, Boston College, Boston University, you know, those types of schools. And because mm-hmm. um, there's such a focus of football here. But, um, you know, they built a new arena, NHL style arena in 2000. And right. uh, I, I had a good relationship with the one assistant coach. His name is Casey Jones. I knew him all my whole youth growing up, playing in kind of like a, uh, select festival games. Mm-hmm. And so he recruited me pretty hard. And, um, you know, I just liked a lot about what their vision was for Ohio State in the path. And um, basically what came down to is I wanted to be a big time player here and, and you know, help shape them into a powerhouse school. And that had a lot to do with it. And, and I knew like Columbus, the, the jackets were new, right? Like they, they just, uh, they were starting in 2000. And I'm sitting there thinking, all right, like, there's going to be NHL teams in Columbus every weekend watching the Jackets, scouting, whatever. You know, they're, they're three miles down the road, four miles down the road is Ohio State. So there'll be plenty of scouting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good call. That's that a great call. Thinking way ahead of the program. Damn straight. <laughs> and it was only three hours from my my home. So, you know, family, easy for them to come see, right? Yeah. Don't get homesick. Yeah. That's awesome, though. So then, so we go a little bit after that. Now we're leading into your draft. Okay. Yeah. So you're drafted by Vancouver, right? I was. So is there any, now, how many teams did you interview with? Like, how did everything go down when it comes to your NHL draft? So, yeah, the, the whole draft and uh, the Vancouver story is kind of wild, um, depending on how far you want to get into it. <laughs> but, go ahead, uh, man. Let her rip. Yeah, no, so... Um, you know, you go to the combine, I, I got, uh, after college, I got ranked pretty high, you know, in the top, uh, us and in, in North American or whatever skater. So they, they brought you to a couple of different, um, showcase things. And, um, you know, then you went to the combine and at the combine, you know, you did all your testing and then you, you kind of just made your rounds and, and met with all the GMs and scouts and whatever, and, and did some interviews. I, I can't even remember how many teams I met with, um, some more serious than others, some, did some crazy things, crazy <laughs> questions. Oh, I'll never shooter, forget shooter, the Capitol GM had me uh, put on the robe in the hotel room and grab the robe out of the closet, lay on the couch, put my feet up on the uh, up on the arm of the couch, and just start answering questions. And basically, I, it felt so weird. But what they were trying to do was just see how uncomfortable you can get and how you can handle stuff like that, right? Like all these teams had their different kind of mental games they play on you just to see like what kind of person you are, right? That's crazy. So after, you know, I, I met with Vancouver pretty pretty serious. And, you know, I, I know that the uh, night before going to the draft, my agent said that uh, they had talked with them. And at Vancouver, if I'm around at 16, Vancouver's going to take me. Like, they're, they were hoping I would slide to 16. And and that day came, and, you know, you're just sitting there, and uh, you're seeing the camera crews come up to every person when it's before their pick. So you know kind of if you're getting up or not. And Yeah. You know, I thought maybe Calgary was going to get me at 12. Um, you know, I hope kind of – you kind of hope that I would slide to, like, I think it was 21 to Pittsburgh, um, play in your hometown. But, um, you know, as soon as Vancouver came, I knew I knew it was going to – they were going to be the one. Yeah, man. Did, did you get interviewed by Toronto at all? Uh, yeah, I did. I did. Um, so th- that actually – we can get into that more with the whole Vancouver thing. I almost actually signed with Toronto instead of Philly. So – so um, as I go, I go after the draft, I go back to school, right? And, um, you know, I finish uh, two more years at Ohio State. 
and uh, play well. After my junior year, it was time to time to leave. And, you know, the coaches agreed. Vancouver agreed. My agents agreed. I agreed. So the whole negotiating process all started, and that went as sour quickly. You know, Vancouver and uh, their GM was Burke at the time, and, you know, he, <laughs> he, he didn't have many, you know, of course, when they're, when they're doing their uh, negotiations, they have nothing good to say about you, right? <laughs> so yeah. it just buries you over and over. And, you know, they, they lowballed me. At that time, it was before the, the, that lockout in like 05 or whatever. So rookies were, were making, you know, huge contracts, huge bonuses. Um, pretty much if you were top 20-some in the first-round draft, you were getting the rookie signing bonus, which was a full million and you were hitting major signing bonus things for goals and points and all that. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody around me was doing, was hitting that and, and Vancouver just completely lowballed me, had no bonuses in the offer. And they wanted, they, they knew because I was in college and I wasn't an OHL guy that I basically had no rights. I couldn't do anything. I had to take it or, you know, whatever. I was at their mercy. So I, I basically, under my agent's uh, advice, I held out from them and just played hard. I stuck to my values and my beliefs, and I, and I, I didn't sign with them. And I, I just held out. And the, the, the tough part was I couldn't go back to Ohio State and play. Um, one, because I started, I basically lost my eligibility by starting to negotiate at the time. And then if I did go back to Ohio State, the rules at the time was I would finish that year and Vancouver still owned my rights. So I get nowhere, right? Like it would just be a year delayed. So the only way for me to lose my rights from Vancouver and, and be able to talk to other teams was one, if they traded me or two, if I sat out the entire year from hockey and became a free agent. So I couldn't even go play in like Europe or anything. I had to literally sit out hockey. And so I did it. I sat out and, and I didn't sit out the intentions of sitting out the whole year. We really thought that, you know, a month to whatever, they'll come around and, and start, you know, um, better negotiating and they yeah. didn't and it, they played hardball Burke got nastier and right, I remember right before Christmas the cutoff was like January 1st right like if if they didn't get something signed then like my rookie contract switched to like a two year and it came to the point where like logistically like there was no point of them signing me so we knew like December 31st, they offered me this offer. They said they're going to up it. And it actually was like a slap in the face, little ball. They twisted some things around and it, it looked better on paper, but it wasn't. So I held out. And um, at that point, I was skating at the U.S. program. I went back there and I was skating with some young guys and just staying in shape and working out. I was living with family. It's crazy. It's like I was going back in time. And, uh -huh. you know, so at Christmas or whatever, when we knew that wasn't going to work, I went back home and just got off the ice. Um, and I worked out and, knew that the, basically the season was going to be over. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but the trade dead, deadline that year uh, when uh, Bertuzzi got himself in some trouble, he, uh, when he hit more. Yep. And uh, Vancouver was solid that year. They were pushing hard in the playoffs, and he got suspended like, for however long, I think, the, the whole season. Yeah. So they needed to make a move, and they end up trading me at the, right at the deadline, um, myself and um, – uh, Martin Ruzinski, I think, or something like that. And I can't remember. No, they got yeah, it was Martin Ruzinski. They got uh, something like that, right? And so they end up trading me to the Rangers. And uh, so then I go, I haven't skated. I go, the Rangers bring me in. I go to, I skate with them for a week. I go to Hartford for a couple, for another week. And, um, you know, say there, the GM there was like, had to make a decision whether he wanted to sign me or not. Um, 
And the crazy thing was I'm two months away from being a free agent where I can sign with any team in the league. And um, so they offer me a 25 day tryout in PTO and the AHL. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to risk getting hurt playing 25 games. I haven't played all year. Right. And then, you know, I get hurt or something bad happens. I don't play well. Then, you know, who's going to want to sign me at the end of this. Right. Right. And what it comes down to is really, so the the NHL had a compensation pick. If I didn't get signed, Vancouver would have got a 16th pick in the second round. And um, so if the rain about by trading me, the Rangers got that. And if they didn't sign me, they got that second pick. So they made that, that trade as if they were getting a second round pick and they didn't care who they were getting. Sailor didn't even really know much about me at the time. So I end up just finishing the, the, the hold out there and um, knew once uh, it was June 1st, June 1st for me, when that came that that was going to have some teams ready. And my agent was like right on it with the whole process. Like, he was dead on. He knew that there was going to be a lockout the next year. He planned that. He said, you're not going to lose that much by sitting out. You'll have a year to get back into it with the AHL. And boom, June, uh, June 1st came. And, you know, Toronto and Philly were the two players right from the get-go. And I actually flew to their places. And basically, it was kind of like a college recruiting visit. Sat down with the GMs, went to dinner, whatever. And I came down to a decision. And it was a hard one. Like, I had to sleep on it. And I ended up going with Philly. But it was close. Rob's like, oh, Rob's a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Almost had him, Rob. It's yeah. just a it's a crazy story though. Like it, it's a tough way to, to start out your career. And you know, people don't realize it. They judge it right away. Like I know coming in that first year, they're like, Man, who's this kid? He's holding out. Like, what a head case. Who does he think he is? And and it was nothing about that. It was just I believed in myself. I believed in the values. Um, I didn't I just didn't want to sell myself short for for what I had worked for already and what I deserved. And I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to come in, but it just motivated me more. Okay. And in my eyes, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to jeopardize anything. I just like guys get a knee injury. They're out for a year or whatever. I'm out for a year and I'm healthy. I'm working out. I'm getting stronger. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> That's awesome that you uh, stuck to your guns and didn't let them, uh, you know, the man push you around, especially Berkey. He loves his Americans. Yeah, I I know. You know, I think it ended up, I don't know, it ended up biting me in the bowl a little bit later because uh, about 2010, I didn't make the U.S. Uh, Olympic team and he was uh, the GM and one of the big players for it. So, you know, the, the Columbus media, and you know, they pressured him and asked him if it was because of that and he would never answer, right? Like, he'll never admit it, but we know it was because of it. I mean, I was... Honestly, I was like the sixth leading scorer in the U.S. at that, that season. It was my best year of the league and I'm, I'll never forget, he came to, a, he scouted one of our games that year. Um, it was, you know, a few weeks before we picked the team and Toronto was in town. And and then I remember sitting there, I'm like, hey, I had Borchek and Broussard on my wings, or, or I'm playing with Broussard as my center. And we're sitting on the bench. I'm like, hey, boys, tonight's night. Like, we got to have a good game. Like, Berkey's here. They're, I know they're scouting. Like, they're picking a team soon. Let's just, let's have a good one. It's like first shift, dash one. <laughs> it's like <laughs> two shifts later, dash two. I think we were dash four by like, I think like 20 minutes into the game, like oh. before the second period started, we were dash four. And I'm like sitting there looking at them. They're like, sorry. I'm like, man, I didn't have one single thing to do with any of these plays. And I'm dash four. <laughs> and that's all you're going to see in these in the, on the score sheet, dash four. But yeah, I think we got blown out that game like six, seven, one or something. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Then it's time for a fight. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, that's so that's fucking nuts. Hey, so speaking of that, before we get too far ahead, your first NHL game, how was that? Yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was, uh, it was in Ottawa. Um, that season, uh, I started the the year with the Phantoms again. Um, had a great training camp, but uh, just too many players on the roster. So I, I went down, played ten games with the Phantoms in October, and then uh, Primu got uh, hit and uh, he got his concussion that kind of put him out for his career. And I got the call up that day and or the next day actually, and flew into uh, into Ottawa. I think I was in the midst of a three and three in the A. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was nice to escape that. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I played five minutes, um, not a whole lot, uh, touched the puck a couple of times, a couple of shots, but the thing I'll never forget about that game was I got absolutely railed twice. Chris Neal hit me at center ice and behind the net in the offensive zones, uh, Chara just absolutely laid me out. Oh, <laughs> so I remember guys in the NHL. <laughs> welcome to the league. Holy <laughs> fuck. That's a tough way to welcome. Yeah. But you know what? It's what it takes sometimes. Yeah. So then after that, out the cobwebs. Oh, yeah, that will get you going. <laughs> what about your uh, your first NHL goal? Was it nice? Who was it on? Yeah, um, against Tampa. I think it was uh, it was like late November. It took me a good month to score because when I got called up, called up, I never went back down um, rest of my career. So um, just stuck with it and was playing some good hockey. Um, just, you know, didn't get that first one until about, I think it was like November 20 something, 22nd. Um, it wasn't a pretty goal. It was, uh, it was against Sean Burke, but um, you know, it was kind of one of those plays. I was below the goal line. The D-man shot the puck around the boards and I just kind of picked it up off to the, uh, the dump in there and, and brought it around the net and was literally trying to pass it from like behind the goal line to someone in front. I don't even know if I saw anybody. And it hit like the inside of his uh, stick and went between his legs and it literally crossed the goal line by like three quarters of an inch. <laughs> so that was the first one. Oh, I sellied hard. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right, man. No one can ever take that from you. Nobody. Oh, no. Oh, no, man. That's, uh, I dreamt about that first one a long time. I'll take it. If it, even if it was empty netter, I would have still took it. Oh, yeah. Fucking <laughs> rifle it. <laughs> Hilarious. Go ahead, bro. I'm awesome. sorry, man. I feel like I'm hogging the puck over here. Oh, no. I'm just listening to the stories. I love them. <laughs> um, now, when, when did you have your first fight? Ooh. And who was that with? I'm not even sure what my first fight was. Uh, well, okay. I, I remember um, first fight, it wasn't, it was a preseason. Uh, that same year, my rookie year there, um, against the Devils, it was. Um, I think it was Colin White. Oh, yeah. And I remember I, I did decent. I held my own in it. Was, it. I didn't do great in a lot of my fights. I didn't have a ton of them. But my problem was I lost my balance quite early. But uh, it was a, it was a decent fight. I had a good game. I think I scored a goal that game. And I think that uh, that day, that game opened up the, my the eyes for, like, Hitchcock and, and the organization there because, I you know, I did that. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Perfect. That's perfect. Hey, so – so like rookies coming in, like there's always that one vet who just brings you under their wing. Who was that guy for you? Yeah, um, for me it was Mike Knubel. Mm-hmm. We had we had quite a bit of uh, vets that year. Um, my first year in Philly, there was like guys like Robert Ash, uh, Hatcher. I think Hatcher was there that first year. Um, Turner Stevens. Um, 
just a lot of older guys. Um, Canuvo was, you know, I, I sat next to him in, in the locker room and, you know, fellow American, he's a Michigan guy. I was Ohio State, so, you know, we had fun with that. But you know, he was just, <laughs> There's he some gambling there, right? Yeah, yeah. So we had a lot of, a lot of fun just getting on each other. But um, you know, he offered me quite a bit of advice and, you know, he was just such a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Are you still friends with him? Um, you know, like we, I'll say hi to him if I see him. We don't really keep in touch or anything. Uh, you know, he we only played um, like a couple years together, but um, you know, he uh, he 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 was he was such a he had an impact on on me when I was young, though for sure. He was uh, he was such a good leader. He did everything the right way. He was he was always in a good mood. Just true pro just professional like he went about it the right way he prepared himself he worked hard in practice and he was just he was a good guy to follow mm-hmm. now right. um philly there you guys made a nice run the uh the one year i've seen you had like 17 uh playoff games there what are the fans like there during those runs man like i know the philly fans are insane yeah they are for sure they're no doubt they're insane they're pretty intense maybe the most intense in the league they um you know, they, they love you if you're doing well, they hate you if you don't, but you know, more than anything, they'll, they'll stick up for you because they're the only ones that are allowed to be critical of you. Right. Like, and that's the way they think they believe. And, and that's fine. Like they, they go to the games, they're very supportive. They, they just love their hockey. And, um, you know, like I said, though, they, they, they don't want to see anybody else, any other teams or any other fans, criticizing or talking they 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 can do that and um but they expect a lot right like it's a winning winning town they expect a lot uh it's built from the 70s with clark and everything you know like they have a way to play you got to play hard there if you don't then you're not going to last there long but when it's when things are good i'll tell you what it's it's amazing the the building's electric they get that you know that 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 singing anthem going and like it's just pretty uh it's pretty amazing the god bless america on special on some nights and it's like you get tingles sitting on the bench ready to go it's fun that's awesome man that's awesome what uh so so philly fans are just like toronto fans like they'll shit on you you have you you're a minus one you're a dash one <clears throat> they're they're so critical of of their players like it's unbelievable and it takes you a long time to get out of that slump with them. Like they just seem to shit on a lot of a lot of players that, especially when they haven't played the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's just the way it is, right? Like, like I said, they're they expect a lot, they're critical, but they're very supportive when when things are good. And, and like I said, they they do not want other people shitting on their own players. Like they're the ones that can do it, and only them. And that's that's fine. That's just the way it is. But. Um, you know, I, I think for sure there's probably some players where it affects them. Like, uh, it gets in their heads, you know, when, you know, now in today's world with, you know, social media and whatnot, it's just like they have too easy of an access to to the players. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a problem sometimes. But um, you got to kind of just block it out and just play like, you know, you're going to get booed. I mean, you're not going to play a whole career and not get booed somewhere. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get drunk with Gritty? <laughs> he wasn't around when I was there. <laughs> Looks like a good time though. Yeah, yeah, he does look fun. Looks nut. like he gets you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, he's a nut. Fuck yeah, I think so. Hey, you guys had uh I gotta ask you, how hated was Crosby in Philly? Because I know you guys had some battles there during the 
during those runs there where it was like line brawls during games. So can you kind of like fill us in? Well, for you too, it's actually kind of weird because growing up, you're like, that's my squad. That's who I like growing up. And now you guys are fighting them. Everything's all crazy. So kind of what was like that like for you? Yeah, it was weird. It was, uh, you know, I quickly grew to to hate Pittsburgh, you know, early years of my career when I was playing with Philly. I mean, it was the biggest rival and you just – you had to be that way. Like you, you had to hate each other. And um, Crosby, look, Crosby, they hated him because he's so good, right? Like he, he always played well against Philly. He, I, I know while I was there, he averaged over two points a game against us. Like he, it was just a bear to play him and Malcolm. But um, you know, we, we had some, some feisty ones and, you know, like the, just the, the crazy playoff games with them too. My, the big, the one year where we went pretty far, we ended up losing the semis to them. And it was it was feisty. I, I remember getting into it with Malcolm a little bit, and and just the jawing back and forth, and the fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, in Pittsburgh, one of my in laws was wearing my jersey, a Philly jersey, and they got hit with a beer towel on the head. Like it was just like it was just crazy. Like the intensity between the two the two teams, and but it was fun. Like we we loved it. Like we got up for it. I mean, how could you not for those type of games, right? Like. Mm-hmm just brings out the most intensity and fun. All those the, guys, are the best games to watch. Dude. Oh, yeah. For us to watch those games, yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. All the guys on the bench, too, were probably just all over fucking Crosby. Eh? Just chirping them from the bench probably constantly, on the ice constantly. Because I think, was that the series that him and G, they, like, fought, didn't they? Uh, no, it wasn't that series. When I was there for – G was on a team yet. So that was before G. But um, it was 08. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, it wasn't G yet, but it was it was like Richards, Richard, me, Richards, and and Carter, like um, were the young guys on the team at the time. So uh, I know Richards went at it pretty hard with them. With Crosby, it was you know Richards versus Crosby pretty much every night. Awesome, I love yeah. it. I love it. What was it like playing with uh, Jeff Carter? Carter's, I mean, we played quite a bit early on. Like we were line mates quite a bit, and um, especially my rookie year. Um, and guy could guy score. He had one of the best shots I've ever seen, and, and he did it without even trying sometimes. Like, it was just sick. Um, just a natural goal scorer. Skates great. Um, a good guy off the ice at the time. You know, we, we enjoyed enjoyed his time with him, and, uh, you know, had a good time. He was he was just a – it was a good – it was a good first couple of years with a lot of young guys there, right? Like, we had, a, we had enough young guys where we had a lot of closeness and some good times. Mm-hmm. Rob, do you have any more uh, questions about Philadelphia? Because I'm about to flip over to Columbus. Nope, I'm good. No? Okay, so when you went over there, did you go there on a trade? Did you sign during, like, free agency? Like, how did you end up there? So, yeah, um, it ended up at the end of the season, that year of the 08 where we made the run. Um, the playoffs uh, it ended, and I knew, like, our team was in – salary cap trouble mm-hmm. so there was going to be some moves to be made um you know i i just come off a pretty good season probably like best season so far at that point a great playoff and probably pretty much in, in line for a, a good raise in my salary so um i had a feeling it could have been a salary cap casualty and um wasn't quite sure and then you know i heard some rumors of some other guys maybe potentially but uh, the draft came up and um the day before the draft, started hearing some rumors. Um, 
I was on the way to vacation down Hilton Head and stopped with some friends and was golfing and got a phone call on the day of the draft. And my dad's like, I'm hearing things that Columbus is, is interested in you. I'm like, all right, stop like listening to the rumors. It's going to happen. Finished my round of golf, went to dinner. I like just got my appetizer and I got a phone call. You know, it was the, uh, it was the GM from Philly letting me know that they had just traded me. And, and uh, that's, was that from that, you know? Fuck, man. What's that like when you're like at, like you're out freaking having food with your friends or whatever, you're chilling, and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm now a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, it must be weird. It is weird. It's uh, it's shocking, and it's like kind of like a lot of thoughts go in your head, but it's kind of overwhelming too. Like, all of a sudden, it's like you got phone calls from every which direction, both teams calling you, media's calling you, this and that, and it's like, you know, friends calling you, people call like, yeah, I, I just want to finish my dinner, <laughs> you know, like, and, and deal with it in a little bit. But, um, you know, I th it was exciting because for me, Columbus was something I was obviously familiar with playing, just leaving there a few years before. And um, that, that Columbus at the time wasn't doing well, obviously. So that part was um, a, a definitely a big difference. But Hitchcock was the coach there at uh, Columbus. And I had Hitch my rookie year in Philly and a little bit the second year. So the familiarity was was strong. And that actually excited me because, you know, I enjoyed playing for him. So it worked out well. So same same kind of kind of like thing there. Is it is there any guy that you walk in the room and you just automatically clicked with right away once you got there? Um, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily clicked with anybody, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, on the ice, there was some play, like some guys that it, it gelled right away. Um, and I played really well with Broussard and Borchek early on. Um, you know, I had some moments with Nash or whatever. Um, I think Nash and I really respected each other off the ice quite a bit. Um, you know, we're still friends now. We, you know, we talk a lot. Our kids play hockey together. Awesome. But um, I think there was a, a good uh, – really good level of respect there. He was a captain, um, you know, and I worked my way into a, a quite a, a leadership role with the team. So we leaned on each other quite a bit uh, for things like that. But um, Steve Mason, the goalie, was uh, got called up that first year. He ended up being my roommate on the road. And, you know, we became like best friends. We we, we roomed for four years together. So we, we were together quite often. Those goalies, some of those guys are some weird cats, some of those goalies. Yeah, some of them are, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've got a few on the show. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. started off where we were, like, goalies, then we had some fighters. Now we're working into the guys that, like, score a little bit of goals. And... <laughs> those are the smart guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been nuts, man. So how did you end up meeting my fucking friend there, Lee? Like, how did you end up hooking up with Lee? He obviously works for the team. Is there anything that he did that kind of helped you out while you were – like on the ice with them and yeah for sure I wish I if I mean if I would have started working with Lee early in my career uh who knows like I, I just I think about all the time like how much better I could have been like it was it was amazing working with Lee so towards I got traded back to Philly later in my, my career towards the end there and um I was dealing with some major pain in my back my hip and just I couldn't play like I was I couldn't skate like I used to um, just was struggling really bad to even lace them up every day. And I ended up getting hip surgery. Um, I was out for like 12 weeks. I, I didn't finish the end of that season. And I think in 2014. So I, I 
was heading back to, to Columbus for the summer. And I knew I needed to get faster again. I needed to fix things. And, and if I wanted to stay in the league and, and play for the Flyers next year. So I asked around and I honestly don't remember who I even asked if there was any skating coaches in, in uh, Columbus and can't remember, but someone gave me Lee's name and I'd never heard of Lee. Um, he was new obviously to the area. And so I, I reached out via email. I'm like, Hey, look, that's who I am. I'm looking to, to skate. You know, I need to work on some stuff. You know, I had no idea that he was, you know, good with, you know, skill work too, like with the puck and everything. It was, it was really just to focus on my skating and get more efficient. Um, I developed so many bad habits from compensating for my hip and back. So he, he, you know, I didn't know anything about him. So he shoots me back an email and is just like, kind of, this is a little bit about me. And he threw in there that he worked with uh, Boone Jenner. And I think somebody else, and I don't know if it was that past year with the Jackets, they were hurt or something, and he was with them. Rick Nash was uh, one of them. It wasn't Rick. No, we worked. I I brought Rick later. Okay. um, So once he threw that, I'm like, okay, there's some credibility here. Like, okay, I I don't know who this guy is. I know he has a little bit of a figure skating background, whatever. I'm like, all right, well, let's meet up when I get back in town and let's come up with a plan. So we did. And uh, I, I skated with him three days a week. Um, by myself, running the ice myself for at least that first summer. And it was just me and him. I didn't want anybody else out there. And um, that was a change for me because off season, typically I didn't step on the ice until August. Like I wanted to get away Mm -hmm. and I just worked in the gym. So I'm here in like May and I'm skating three times a week all the way through to the camp. And it was, it was different, but I, I got to camp that next season in Philly, and I'll tell you what, like, it was the best I've ever skated. I was fast. Guys were like, you know, what's going on? Like, why are you so fast? And, like, they just couldn't believe it. But, um, you know, things end up not working out too well that year for other reasons. But um, mm-hmm. so then I, I came back and that off season again and, and called Lee and, like, oh, we got to do this. And at that point, we started bringing a couple more guys out. Um, I think Rick Nash came. Um, Jack Johnson started getting the test to and a bunch of guys. And next thing you know, like there's a quite a bit of pro guys were doing these, like this little pro skate basically, um, for a few years. And, you know, Lee happened to move on and get a job at some point along there with the jackets and with the fuck guys. And, you know, he's, he's added that skill level too to the skating where he combines them both. And it's like, there's, there's no one like me in this area. And I'm guaranteeing in a lot of areas, there's no one like Lee. He does a phenomenal job and he's making a big niche for himself here in Columbus for sure. I always knew awesome. up because Lee and I grew up in this like new freaking. I've known Lee since we were like kids and, uh, I could kind of always tell that he was going to really do something with, when it comes to this because he was just – he was always on the ice, like always on the ice. And he's just – I don't know. Lee's a gem. I love Lee. Always loved Lee. Such guy. a good guy. Such a good guy. So so you work with him now, right? Yeah. So, like, he he's so influential to the, the youth in this area um, from the kids like 9, 10 years old up to the, you know, the – triple a 16 year old junior players like he's working with all of them and you know he he brings me out to these some of these skates and you know i get fortunate i get to work with them and help and especially the older kids um it's it's great being out there with them and and uh being able to impact that but it's fun lee and i you know i I, i've worked with lee long enough myself that i i 
I know what he's doing and like, I can relate it. And like, we, we just work really well together. We think together the same way. And um, it's been a good match and I've enjoyed just helping him. You know, it, it's a good chance for me just to be on the ice with some guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause oh man, he, that guy, he knows his shit, man. Now what, what, what is it? Or is it, is it the, uh, like the edges? Is it like, what, what, what made you faster? Like what, what did he teach you that you were doing wrong? Well, a lot of it was edge, but body position. Um, you know, like I said, I had a lot of um, things with my hip and back that caused bad habits. So I was standing up a lot when I was skating and he just got me to be way more efficient, um, way more on my edges. Um, basically, and he, he teaches the game too. Like the game's played on circles. Like if you watch McDavid, like he, they're playing on these circles constantly, right? So he, he got me thinking that way to, to be skating and constantly moving. But um, a lot of his positioning and just, like, I used to I, – I worked with some skaters when I was younger, like 10, 11, 12, and I just had lost some of that, like, my power and my ability on my edges to turn quick and to – I would – you know, I was falling down more. I was losing my balance more. I was easier to knock off the puck, and that was never the case my whole career. And, um, you know, Lee really helped me with that and got me got me better. Like I said, if it would have been, you know, five, six, seven years earlier, this guy could have been a limit, you know, who knows? Wow. Yeah. He's, it's crazy. The stuff that that guy does for, for guys on, on the ice, man, he just breaks everything. He has it to a science, like literally to a science. Well, it was funny when we interviewed him and he was like, I wasn't built for the game back when Yeah, he's like, I I didn't like getting hit. I didn't like fighting. He's like, I was built for today's game. <laughs> but yeah, in the age crazy. that he lost all that too, right? Because I heard he could freaking wheel, man. If he was growing up now in, in the freaking game now, he would have went a lot further. Yeah. A lot further. Yeah. Think about it. He had all that. I used to laugh because, like, we used to play and then they would go on after us. So, so we would play and I would always stay and watch their games and watching guys try to knock Lee off the puck was hilarious because yeah. like he knew how to use every edge. Right. So you just, you couldn't knock him off the puck. It don't matter how big you were, how strong you were. He had that edge work on point to where he just, yeah. you just, you just couldn't. It was just so funny watching guys trying to run him over. It's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, you know, low centered gravity and, you know, be able to, good on the edges i mean like look at crosby like the guy's not a, a big guy or a strong guy like i mean he just you can't knock him off he has a wide base and he's good on his skates and edges and just knows how to play and it's tough mm-hmm. to take off the puck he just does it the right way he's got thighs as wide as my chest though oh yeah, yeah it, you know they're big but uh i mean it's more about just being able to be on on those edges and and like i said the low center of gravity helps Mm-hmm. Well, the thing the thing that I've noticed the most is like with with Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, and it seems like everything they do, they do at full speed with two hands on the stick. You know, before it'd be like stick your stick out, one hand on the stick. No, these guys are they're skating as fast as they can with the two hands on it, getting pucks in stride. You know, like it's it's amazing mm-hmm. how how these guys work now. Yeah, the, the skill level of these guys is just absolutely insane now. It's it's gone to a whole new level, and um, you know they they do everything like you said, full speed with the puck, and that's what I like about Lee is he incorporates the puck with pretty much a lot of things, right? So you're doing all of this crazy stuff at a high speed, but you're with the puck working on skill, and because you can, you can't do it with the puck, like it, it doesn't matter. Like you're, who cares? Like right. you need to be able to do it with the puck and. 
and Lee, you know, Lee's, uh, he has that combination where it's very good. And he, he comes up with these crazy drills and it's funny. Like, I remember like we would be, be on the ice and he'd be like, Oh, so last night I was, I was, I was sleeping and I thought of this drill. I was dreaming about this drill. And so we call it every day. Like what's the dream drill today? And that's all. He just has these like thoughts in his mind of how he can like change you change and like challenge you to the next level and make it even tougher. It's uh, it's fun. It just it that, never stops with him, eh? Like it's always turning. It yeah. sounds like a shirt, a new shirt for our uh, our shop, uh, Dream Drill. Yep. Yeah. What's the Dream, dream Drill? drill? <laughs> That's dream hilarious. Dream <laughs> hey, Rob, hit him with the question. Okay. So you know how baseball players have walk up music. What what would your goal scoring song have been? <laughs> All right. So it's funny. Is like. Well, three or four years ago, I was having a conversation with one of my best friends who's uh, big time into hockey. He's a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan living in Pittsburgh, by the way. So he, uh, he, I'm like, man, we need like goal songs. Like every time you score a goal, you should have a goal song. Right. And it should be like, I don't understand why we don't. Like it makes total sense. And you're seeing teams start to do it a little bit now. Um, but mine for sure, like, and it's hard to pick one song. Like there's so many good songs, right? Like, but it probably... It, it had it been something with Eminem because that's what I listened to nonstop before I played. Like I wanted the angry rap music to get me going. And like, I just like, I wasn't the big soccer ball guy that like kind of, some guys could prepare for games and just kind of be loose and goof around, kick a soccer ball around. And like my game, I had to be, I had to be like mentally sharp and mentally in it and like focus, pump myself up. And so I would need to like go, like get loosened up in my own private area and just like literally put on angry music and angry Eminem music and just get fired up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey man, whatever, whatever works. Some guys do. So what's the weirdest thing you've seen somebody do? Like they're just like pregame thing. Like what's something that you looked and was like, Oh my God. Had to be a goalie. Oh, for sure. Goalies do crazy stuff. Um, eesh. Nothing's coming to mind right now. I'm sure I could think of something. Um, you know, the goalies, the goalies do their own weird things with like you know all the juggling of the balls and all that kind of stuff. And that's crazy. Um, oh, okay. Think of Bob Roski. Bob Roski. He okay. he would you know just like he would get on the bike for like 45 minutes, like in this like sit there and spin and like he would do these in the mornings of the games. He would do these like workouts on his own that were like so crazy and. You know, he's sitting there balancing with core and weights on him. And, like, it's like uh, he was just in his own world. But he would sit there on a bike for literally, like, hours a day. Nuts, man. And he's like, it's only a game. Like, <laughs> I got be so mad. <laughs> that was a, one of the best songs ever. <laughs> one of the best. When what? they, no, they interviewed him the one time and they're like, you know, it's do or die. He goes, No. No, if I was in the bush and a bear was chasing me, that was do or die. <laughs> the game. Yeah, he was a pretty witty guy. He I was love the guy. He was funny with the press, man. He was great. Oh yeah, but Bobby. but his voice was so uh, low, yeah. like high pitched or whatever. It's just just great, great interview. <laughs> That's great, Rob. Do you have anything else for him or? Uh... Um. Yeah. Just before we go, who who was your uh, who was your biggest fan? Was it your mom or your dad? My dad, for sure. Your dad, for sure. Yeah, yeah no doubt. 
he was he was there every step of the way. Um, you know, he made all. I mean, both my parents made tons of sacrifices, but he was working a tough construction job, finding ways to, to support me. It's like I had skates and selling, you know, scrap metals and whatnot. And he drove me all across the you know country, and he would travel into as many games he could, and he never missed a game, whether it was on TV or whatever. And he was for sure definitely biggest fan. Awesome, man. All right, bro. Seriously, this has been awesome, dude. It's been almost an hour already. <laughs> Time flies. It's, it's been great, man. I just want to say thank you. I wish you guys all the best, man, moving forward. I know you and Lee are close, so say hi to my boy for me. I will. I'll see him in a few hours here today. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for thanks having me, guys. And there he is, folks, Mr. RJ Umberger. What a fucking career that guy. I didn't realize that he played almost 800 games in the NHL. Awesome. awesome. And he, and he only played for two teams. Yep. You know what I mean? That says a lot about a guy. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? That's, for sure. That's a team guy right there. But, uh, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, he was super cool guy, super good. Um once again, shout out to our our boy Lee for the hookup on him. So another total butte. Yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, let's move on with the with the like. There's a lot of shit going on right now, Rob, in, in this world of of hockey. But uh, so Adam Lowry signed a new five year deal with the Jets. He'll make three point. Two five million a year. He's it's for sixteen point two five million total. So obviously, but that's a signing that they kind of have to do, right? Like that's like a heart and soul guy. Yep. Like so, that one's pretty well straightforward. Nick Backstrom played his thousandth game. The whole team wore his number nineteen for the warm up. They showed up to the rink wearing his shirts. Uh, and stuff like that. He was there. They honored him on the ice with the like silver stick where he met his wife and three kids. And they did a video like tribute, all that stuff. The team bought him a trip to any golf course of his choice. That's a pretty good night. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. What a career he's had to Stanley Cup champ. Rob, what do you think of Nick Backstrom? Oh, I, I think the guy's a total stud. I Oh, but just to mention, I ran out of blonde, so I'm drinking Miller Lights now. Okay. <laughs> no free ads. <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, th that guy, he's just a workhorse, you know? Like, uh, yeah, man. Having a hell of a career. Sniper, too. Yeah. Complete sniper. Um, bar down. Yeah, bar down ski. Moving, your Leafs here. Um, Zach Hyman got a $5,000 fine for a freaking high stick when they were, well, I think it was the Jets that they were playing when he got that. He was only given a minor on the play, but the guy, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, wasn't like freaking cut or anything, but the league fined him five grand. A couple nights later, he gets kneed by Edler, and then Edler gets what? Two, two games, games suspension? Yeah. Yep. So what a kind of weird 
current of events there, right? It was brutal. Did you see did you see the knee? Yeah, I seen the knee. It was so bad. he's getting an MRI done today. Who knows how long he's out for? Like Do you think he should have got I longer? just don't understand the knee on knee. Like you were gonna miss the hit, he was gonna go around you, mm-hmm. but whatever. Whatever. I, I, I that's a huge loss to the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Especially you know, the way the way he's the way he's been playing, man. And and did you see it? So so they they've been out the the Vancouver uh, five guys were out there for three minutes. Wow. So he was kind of on his way back, like so. So I can't remember who was carrying the puck to kind of just get it out over the red line, dump it into the the end, and um, yeah. Zach Hyman backchecked so hard. He stole the puck from the guy, so he didn't get it to dump it in. And as he turned around to come back in, one, two strides, boom, there's uh, Edler. And sticks out his knee, just totally crushes Hyman, gone. And who knows how long he's out for. And that is a huge – that's one of the biggest losses next to Austin Matthews Mm -hmm. on that team. Fuck. I know, man. Fuck it's not, you, yeah, not a good situation there in Toronto. So we'll have to – I'm sure Rob's going to be keeping an eye on that one. Speaking of the injury front, Jack Eichel is now uh, out for the season with a neck injury. Probably from carrying the load. But, uh, yeah, so he's that's done a lot of, That's a lot of weight on your shoulders. It will, it will yeah. give you a neck injury. So one thing that I want to ask you is do you think – that we've seen him play his last game in Buffalo? I'm going to have to go with yes. Okay. And if you just, on just on a whim, where do you think would be a good landing spot for him? Oh, that's a, that's a pretty big contract, right? Yes, it will. It will be a big deal. So I'm not, like I'm not a, saying cap. Don't worry about cap or anything. Just where do you think he would be a good fit? And I know you're going to say Toronto. <laughs> Every everybody goes through Toronto. All the good guys go through Toronto, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Florida. Yeah, I was thinking that. What about fucking Philly? Philly seems Ooh. to be in on everybody, right? If he that went to Philly, too- would oh, does he have a no trade clause in his contract? I'm sure he would be willing to fucking wave it and hand in a list of teams that he would be willing to go to. Yeah. <laughs> right wouldn't you oh he's going to a contender for sure oh, but he's not going to go to another team that's a rebuild and but but then again you go back to how hard is it to get rid of he's the captain right yep so to trade your captain that's got to tell you there's something wrong maybe he's, maybe he's just saying like listen i gave you the chance like i've been here for how long we're still getting fucking pumped. But they still they still picked up some good guys. They picked up Taylor Hall and uh, Skinner. Yeah, but, but now Hall's gone. Neither of them, neither of them produced, nope. right? So fucking they got rid of Hall. You know, Skinner's on his way out. But where's Skinner going to go with? I think he makes $9 million. Like, it, it's it's some, it, it's some it's mad money he makes. I think he might go. Like, didn't he used to play in Carolina? Yes. Maybe yes. he goes back. Maybe, I don't know, but that, that's that's a hefty uh, load to be carrying. And mm. oh, Christ, I don't, I don't even think he has ten goals. 
What do you do if you're the Sabres? Do you just fucking unload everything and just rebuild from the ground Rebuild up? again? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I would fucking... Oh. Everybody would be canned. Everything would be fucking just completely ripped up. So, same thing Iserman kind of did. Like I'm not saying he came in and canned everybody. Speaking of Steve Iserman, we'll kind of move right along to him. So speaking of when it comes to that, so Iserman was asked about the future of the head coach for the Red Wings, Jeff Blaschel. So Iserman okay. said that that will be addressed at the end of the year because his deal is up at the end of the season. What do you think? Do you think he's, do you think Eiserman keeps him? Do you think he gets rid of him? Because remember, Gerard Gallant is out there still, who is a former Red Wing. Do you think that maybe he fucking reunites with Eiserman? I think you keep him because he hasn't had anything. I agree. So I agree. Me, 100%, I would keep him and give him a shot. Like, you're bringing in, like, <clears throat> Steve Eiserman did a great job at uh, the trade deadline picking up all these uh, oh. draft yeah, picks. He, yeah, he was fantastic. So, did you see all the draft so Why? Why don't you see what this guy can do? Like, because he was great in the Adirondack, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he, he, he had some great guys, you know, uh, made some players even better. Mm -hmm. I I just don't think that it's it's right that you you let I, him go and uh and not see what his potential is. And I think it's Grand Rapids is what you're thinking of. Oh, I said Adirondack, Grand Rapids. <laughs> okay. Yep. I think they're the but they do have a team in the AHL, I believe. But uh I just not sure. I'm not really too familiar when it comes to the AHL. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say that he probably stays. I think he's going to give him something good and he's going to say, okay, let's see what happens. And, but right. Let's see, let's like see what I you said, can do. Eisenman, he's obviously not scared. Cause that like Mantha deal kind of flew out of nowhere. Right. Like everybody didn't think that anything was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. So. Right. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, to wrap up my last so, note here, I'm just I'm look I'm looking up uh, Skinner's stats. Yeah, and Skinner Skinner's got five goals and five assists. Oh boy, well, so some guys have that. That's gotta man. It happens. Yeah, it does. Everybody goes into slumps, right? right? Look at our boy, fucking Scotty, man. Scotty, yep, Gomez there had a, a huge slump, and you just you play through it. That's what he did. It's. So it's all yep. you can do. You know what I mean? But we'll see. Um, yeah, I had, I had to look that up because I, I like I said, it, I, he had 10 goals. He's got 10 points. Mm -hmm. So my house league, to, compared to his NHL, you know, yeah. that, that's, that's 10 more, more points than I've ever got. Mm -hmm. So I kind of fucked up before, or I thought um, Seattle had already had a coach, but they don't. So speaking of that, so the general manager, who is Ron Francis, was asked about the search going on when it comes, because they still don't have a coach and they're expected to play next year. So, and he right. said that they're probably not going to even, they're in no rush to hire. 
um, the expansion draft will go uh, July 21st. And he said that just they'll kind of wait and see what happens around then. So they're just chilling. Well, right you've got to get a coach and you've got to, like uh, me personally, I think you would have to have a coach to have some say in the players you're drafting, you know, like. I think you would have hired a coach already knowing that like they're expected to play next season. Well, like you said, Gerard Glant's still out there. And look what he did with fucking Vegas. Like, he was awesome. The only thing that makes me think when it when it comes to him is, like, don't you think that he would have signed somewhere else already? So he's obviously has something in or somewhere or wherever in mind on to where he wants to go. Well, maybe Stevie Wisen is here. Who knows? You know, like, and that's the thing. And when... Eiserman came back and so I when I had first heard that the lightning wanted to like re-up him and he said no and he still had one year left and when I heard that he said no I'm like he's coming back to Detroit and everybody's like no he's not he's got it good there da, da, da. I'm like I'm telling you right now he's coming back to Detroit just because I just knew he played his whole freaking like his whole time there he won three cups like, you know what I mean? It's why would he not go back there? His family's there. I'm like, everything makes sense. Everything falls in line. He just went there to get his like foot in the door, which he did a fucking hell of a job. Like, look what he built. Right. And any move that he makes, I never question anything. I will never whine or bitch or anything about any move that that guy makes. So that's just me being honest because that guy, look at him. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? He's fucking Stevie Watt. Tell one me of the one, greatest guys ever to play the game. Yeah, give me one guy that said something bad about the way that guy was, like you know what I mean, the way he fucking played. I'll give you a handful of Toronto Maple Leafs that did. Well, of course, yeah, because they were swearing that at him guy. when he was sniping. <laughs> but other than yeah. that, like you know what I mean, he's just plays the game the way it should be. Yep, for that's sure. All. But that's all the notes I have. What about you? You all good? You want to go uh, crushing blondes crushing or what? blondes? Crush some blondes. I'm down. I love crushing blondes. Me too. So, until next week, Aunt Rob, we're signing off. We're out. See ya. Peace. Yeah, I can get behind it.